Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are looking at Shanti Feldon's book, Highly Happy Marriages The Little Things That Make a Big Difference. When we closed last week's broadcast, we were talking about keeping score in our marriage relationship, and more specifically about marital generosity. Here's something that is very important to emphasize. You can't do marital generosity with the expectation of getting something in return. That is not only negative scorekeeping, but it's really marital bartering, not marital generosity. A second pivotal point surfaced in Shanti's interviews. Many highly happy couples described one crucial change in perspective that almost always caused them to shift from keeping a record of what they were contributing and giving to being very aware of what they owed their spouses. They began to recognize that maybe, just maybe, they themselves were in great need of grace. One husband told Shanti, What most people don't recognize enough is how much grace your spouse has to have with you. But when you see your own stuff, your own selfishness, that's when you really experience the grace of being loved despite your imperfections. That's when you start to be so grateful for the person who loves and does so much for you anyway. Otherwise, it's like, Hey, who wouldn't love me? God is lucky to have me on his team. Do you see the importance of focusing on what you need to give rather than what your spouse isn't? Shanti says that she realizes that there are some sad cases where someone is truly just a lazy, selfish taker who is perfectly fine with their spouse doing it all. But in her interviews, those situations were rare. When she dug deep with a dissatisfied or unhappy spouse, she almost always found that there were plenty of good, generous things their mate was doing that deserved generosity in return, and plenty of things they themselves were doing that warranted forgiveness and grace. The awareness of those times when our partners really are being generous and when we aren't is what highly happy spouses learn to focus on. It is a small thing that creates big happiness in our marriages. And the good news is that this is a habit that anyone can adopt. One couple, married 40 years, described Ashanti the give and take of keeping score of the good and giving back as a learned skill, like ballroom dancing. It was a matter, they said, of staying attuned to where your partner is and what needs to happen next. He said, It becomes like a dance where you're each stepping up where the other is stepping back. When work was crazy for her, I was angry at her employer. But then the other part of me went overboard trying to alleviate her stress at home, like stepping it up and cleaning, or doing more pick-up and drop-off of things she'd promised to do, just meeting her needs and trying to make her life easy, praying with her, and reminding her to keep her work perspective. She said, And he always wants to make sure I'm okay, so I want to reciprocate by doing whatever I can for him and making sure he's taken care of, 
because he's busy too. I'll make him eat when he's too busy or drive him to and from work so he doesn't have to worry about parking the car in a bad area. Because he takes care of me, it makes me want to take care of him. He said, We've gotten through so many things in our life. We're really attuned to doing things for each other and doing it together. Now reflect on your own marriage relationship. If you aren't already, keep an eye out for ways that your spouse is giving and what they need as a result, then try to meet those needs. And stop yourself from wondering when they will reciprocate. Remember, you're doing this to give back. You may have noticed that what Shanti has been saying, how many of these secrets of highly happy marriages seem to cluster around choices, especially choices about what to think and feel toward your spouse. Think back over some of these that we have covered. Happy husbands and wives choose to believe the best about their spouses, even when the evidence is missing, confusing, or at first argues for believing decidedly less than the best. We saw how these same happy couples are willing to go to bed angry sometimes. Not because in principle it's always the best way to go, but because in practice it works for them. Why? Because they've decided that they will not allow whatever they're feeling at the moment to hurt their marriages or dictate how they'll feel tomorrow. And we just saw how they keep score. They do keep score, it turns out. But what they choose to tally is the good stuff. And then they look for ways to make loving compensation to their spouse whenever possible. Now Shanti is going to turn our attention to what may be unfamiliar territory. Choosing what you feel. You know, most of us grew up believing that we don't choose our feelings. They choose us. What we feel just is, no choice involved. And that is certainly the message we get from our culture. Feelings have their place, absolutely. But life has a way of teaching us that letting feelings run the show leads to all kinds of bad stuff. We can all come up with examples of how letting our feelings run the show didn't turn out so well. Probably many of them. Is there a better way? Oshanti says yes, and highly happy couples have found it, and you can too. She goes on to say that building this one habit was clearly one of the main ingredients of the secret sauce that turned so many of these marriages from ho-hum to highly happy. The highly happy couples she studied and interviewed had learned that whenever they were dissatisfied or were at the risk of it, they could change their feelings to be happy. Here's their secret. Highly happy couples quickly stop a negative train of thought or action, replacing unhappy or angry thoughts or actions with positive ones in order to change their feelings. Shante's survey results shine some light on how our thinking leads our feelings, not the other way around and the telling difference between the couples that have learned this powerful habit and the couples who haven't. The results showed more than a third of the struggling couples kept thinking about, fuming about, if you will, their annoyance. Just 7% of highly happy couples stayed caught up in that negative pattern of thought. 
Perhaps even more important, almost two-thirds of highly happy couples forced themselves to stop that train of thought before they got bothered to begin with. By contrast, only one in four struggling spouses made that choice. Shanti says that it is apparent from not just the survey, but from hundreds of interviews that the more couples choose to stop focusing on and thinking about their annoyance, the happier they will be with their spouse and in their marriage. Her results show we can lead our feelings in a positive direction. We can actually change how we feel. Now, it is important to say that this does not mean ignoring real issues of concern or pretending that damaging problems don't need to be addressed. But it does mean we've got to be careful to address them in ways that add to rather than hurt our feelings of goodwill toward our spouse. One happy couple emphasized the importance of what they called hurting your emotions or leading your feelings instead of letting them lead you. Shanti asked them what that looked like to them. The husband responded, If there's something my wife has done and I'm angry, I can either stew or I can nip it. I can also acknowledge, I may be wrong here, or I may actually be right. But either way, I can choose to forgive and herd those feelings in the right direction. I don't want to stuff those feelings, but I also don't want to let them lead me. Here's the important question. Who's the boss, you or your feelings? How you answer that simple question has big consequences. Shanti shares the story of Sarah, a stay-at-home mom with four young children and how she sometimes stops a negative train of thought about her construction worker husband. When he's been at work all day and comes home and tells me he needs to take an hour to go drop by a friend's place to watch the end of a game, I sometimes start to think, Hey, you're out of the house all day and don't have to take care of the children. And now to find out that you want to visit someone? Seriously? I start to think, So when do I get to go out? And then I think, Yeah, but wait. He's been out. But it's not like he's been with friends. He's been at work all day, in the hot sun. If I were at a work site all day, I would want to have a break to do something else too. So then I'm glad there's something he can do to give him a real break for a few minutes, away from the kids crawling all over him. Because then I see how much he needs it, and I want him to get it. See how that works? Sarah stopped a line of thinking that was leading to jealousy and resentment. Instead, she began to think about what it's like in her husband's shoes on a work site all day in the heat. She took action to say it was okay that he gets some downtime. And suddenly, feelings of compassion replaced feelings of jealousy and resentment. Well, our time is gone for today. I want to invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, click on the Mum Live tab, and view the recorded teachings. 
Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.